We're back. This is Ron Clark from Kairos Church Planting, and you're listening to the God of Second Chances podcast. This is season two, and we will continue with our theme through the Hebrew Bible on the prophets. Our first season covered the Torah, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, and now we move into the prophets. We will be doing some special series as well as covering these great stories that we might find hope in these ancient biblical stories. So sit back and enjoy listening to the God of Second Chances. Welcome back. In season one, we covered the Torah, which was the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. We've been doing this series for those who uh, use English as a second language for many of our partners overseas and other countries who are trying to teach and develop and to whom speak another language. We're also doing these for those uh, who do speak English well but are wanting to learn some things about the Bible. Season two is going to start out a little differently. We're going to cover the prophets or the Navim, but before we do that, we are going to talk about Spring Surge, Preparing for Pentecost. Why are we doing that? Well, almost all of you listening are aware of the current COVID-19 virus crisis that began in Asia and has spread throughout the world. Those of us in the United States have been quarantined to some degree or encouraged to stay at home and shelter And we've seen the virus spread through Asia and Europe, the United States, and it will move on to South America and uh, Africa and other parts of the globe. We understand that it will be it will have a devastating effect. Uh, As as the director of Kairos working with church planters, one of the realizations that hit us in March was that Easter Sunday, which is a big Sunday for church plants, for those of us in ministry and those of us inviting friends and reaching out to others, uh, Easter was going to be more difficult than in the past. Typically, Easter is our biggest attendance days. Mother's Day is our second biggest attendance days. And both of those Sundays fall during a time when most of us have been uh, told to stay home. Congregations are not able to meet. Uh, gatherings and schools and businesses are closed. We've tried to look past Easter to Pentecost, and we're focused this time on spring surge, preparing for Pentecost. So the next six lessons, which will begin season two, are going to focus on preparing for Pentecost. So open your Bibles and get ready to see the God of Second Chances. Thank you for sticking with us through these six lessons on spring surge, preparing for Pentecost. We're in our final lesson today, and we're going to talk in the book of Acts about the calling on the name of the Lord. As the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles and they began to preach and proclaim uh, the message in different languages and dialects that were known in that ancient world, the apostle Peter testifies that this pouring out of the Spirit was actually prophesied in the book of Joel. He says in Acts chapter 2, verse 16, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he 
quotes or, or speaks the text. And we believe that Luke, as an author, would have gone back to, you know, to write this, uh, not just uh, from Peter's lesson, but also to write the gist and the main point of what Peter was saying. It's interesting that this comes from the book of Joel chapter 2, or in the Hebrew Bible, it's actually chapter 3. Now, Joel was one of the prophets that predicted the Babylonian captivity. He described the Babylonians coming into the city and um, coming down the horizon like locusts that would come in and overwhelm the city and, and destroy everything in their path. And so this description of locusts and the Babylonian army would have been very familiar to the Judean people. And it's interesting when we read ancient texts in other cultures, armies are described as uh, locusts because in the ancient world, locusts, very similar to our grasshoppers, uh, those of us who live in the South, uh, lived in the South of the United States and Texas might remember uh, Katie did type uh, locusts or June bugs even. Uh, but the point was these insects would destroy, uh, strip trees of their leaves, destroy crops and, and get all over you and just, just get in your face. In the ancient world, this was how uh, armies were many times described. And it was the idea of something overwhelming, something to be uh, feared, something that would strip a land and uh, irritate or destroy and hurt people. This same language is used in the book of Revelation for the Roman army. In the book of Joel, Joel describes the Babylonian captivity, the Babylonians coming in, destroying Israel because of their, or Judah because of their unfaithfulness, leveling Jerusalem, destroying the temple, and dragging the people to captivity. But at chapter 2, beginning with verse 28 in the book of Joel, things change. God is going to drive uh, the, the, these armies from the north away. God is going to clear the land out of the locusts or the armies, and then God is going to restore the people home. And in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 28, the, the, the prophet says, and afterward, he does not use the term at the end of those days. He just simply says, and after this, after what? After God drives everybody away. And in verse 27 of chapter 2, never again will be my people be shamed. And after this, what will God do? Pour out the spirit on all people. The apostle Peter is using this text to describe what is happening at that time. The Jews would have felt the same in, in um, uh, this time in, in Jerusalem because they would have been under the hand of the Roman army. They would have felt overwhelmed. They would have felt depressed. Rome, even though the temple was still standing, the Roman uh, garrison was camped right next to the temple. There are stories that is the Jews would go to worship uh, the Jewish temple, that the Roman soldiers would stand on their barracks that looked down over at the temple and expose their buttocks, is what we would call it, mooning people. You can imagine how oppressive the Jews must have felt. Even though they went about their daily life, the Romans controlled the city. The Romans controlled the priesthood. The Romans ran uh, the city. The Romans were in charge of everything. And there must have been a feeling, what's going to happen? When will we be free? The pouring out of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts was showing that the church was going to be that period 
where God restored the nation. As Peter talked to the individuals in chapter 2, verse 17 in the book of Acts, he says, in the last days, and that's kind of the phrase, in those days, after these things, what will God say? I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. See, prophesying meant to speak a message of hope. Prophesying meant to speak a lesson of hope. Your young men will see visions rather than nightmares. Your old men will dream dreams. They'll actually have a good night's sleep and be able to dream very positive things. Even on my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Kind of a reminder of when God poured the spirit out on the 70 elders during the time of Moses. And in Numbers eleven twenty nine, 29, uh, some of the elders were still in the city uh, or in the camp and they were they were prophesying. And somebody said, hey, the elders are out there prophesying. And Moses in Numbers eleven twenty nine said, I wish all people could have the spirit like that. They were dreaming for a day when God would give the spirit to all people, rich and poor, powerful and uh, vulnerable, all people, men and women. This was the day, Peter says. They will prophesy. See, they will speak messages of hope. They will speak messages from God. Prophesying does not mean telling the future. Prophesying doesn't mean, you know, chastising people. Prophesying means giving hope and a message from God. Verse 19, I will show wonders in the heaven above, signs on the earth below, blood, fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the coming and great day, glorious day of the Lord. This is not literal language. This is what we would call apocalyptic language. It's language that's poetic. It's language that describes a great earth-shaking event. In Canaanite culture, the god Baal would ride the clouds and come visit people. Whenever a god came to visit people, it was usually to enact judgment on the wicked. Those who were being oppressed, those who were hurting, saw uh, the actual visitation as a day of vengeance, a day that God would make things right, a day that the God would intervene and straighten things out. Kind of like when uh, my brother and I would sit upstairs at night when we were kids and make noise and my mom or dad would say, don't make me come up there. You know, uh, here, if mom or dad had to come up there, you know, everything was going to be made right and we were going to be quiet. This is kind of the idea that the great and terrible coming day of the Lord is to bring judgment, but also vindication to those who are suffering. And then verse 21, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This was powerful. In Joel's context, if we read the book of Jeremiah, chapter 11, verse 11 and verse 14, when the Babylonians would come in to destroy the city, the, uh, the prophet was told, don't pray for these people. They'll cry out to me and I won't, I won't save them. There was a time when God turned a deaf ear to the suffering of the people in Jerusalem because they were getting what they deserved. They were suffering at the hands of their own wicked rulers. But in Joel, the promise was, there's going to come a day when I'm going to hear you when you're going to cry out to me and I'm going to save you. Just like in the book of Daniel, when they decided not to defile themselves with the Babylonian way of life, God heard Daniel's prayer and responded. In this text, the promise is that there will be a day when God will make things right. God will bring us into relationship. It was the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was not just a celebration of coming out of Egypt uh, that the ancient Jews had for so many decades and centuries. It was a reminder that people had a chance 
to be restored in relationship with their God. It might be difficult to try to understand the you know, relationship between the prophet Joel and the prophetic language and the apocalyptic language and the pouring out of the Spirit and the ancient Babylonian history, along with what it meant to be a Jew in the first century trying to follow Jesus. And even more, it might be difficult to see the parallel for us today. But I think this passage preparing for Pentecost, or we would say spring surge, has a powerful application to you today. For those of us who are experiencing this release back into the community in the United States, uh, we've been given permission to go back into our cities and to go to to work uh, and to go to church. Uh, Some states are moving uh, more uh, more, uh, quickly than others. Those of us on the West Coast here in Oregon Uh, and Washington and California tend to be the slowest of that, and that's because our leaders are expecting there to be a low infection rate before we come back. However, the point is we're coming back together, we're finding our way back in church, we're finding our connections, and it's important to understand that Pentecost is a reminder that we have relationship with God. First of all, The promise of pouring out the Spirit is a promise of relationship. No matter how bad my life has been, no matter how how many times I've turned my back on God, no matter how evil I have been, much like the people in ancient Israel as they had turned their back on God and worshipped other idols and went into captivity, we have a God who wants to remove shame. We have a God who seeks relationship that we might be able to put away our shame. Now, this God doesn't you know, turn ahead or turn a blind eye to sin, but it's a God who gives us permission to deal with that sin. We have a God who seeks relationship. We have a God who pours out the Spirit so that people can come into relationship. In fact, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians says that Jesus provides access to the Father. Why did Jesus come? He was God in the flesh, but he also wanted to open a way to show you have a chance. You have a way back. There are uh, you know, no barriers in the way of your relationship with God if you're willing to trust. And so the first thing this text tells us is that God seeks relationship, provides access, pours out the Spirit so that we might have a relationship. A second point is found in the phrase, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is a common phrase used in the book of Genesis. Uh, We find out uh, men began to call on the name of the Lord. They would build an altar. They would worship. It was much different than, say, uh, the various cultures where they lived. In the Assyrian and the Babylonian, Sumerian, and Egyptian cultures, you had to go through a complex way of communicating through an idol or a priest to talk with God. In the book of Genesis, they just build an earthen altar and call upon the name of the Lord. They don't call on the name of the Lord to use magic or to manipulate or to try to get their way. They simply have relationship with God. Even, uh, as we saw in the podcast Water, Water Everywhere, uh, that God continually 
promises to have a covenant with human beings, even though they had disgraced God to the point where the earth was destroyed. The Acts chapter 2, verse 21, quoting of Joel, Joel's prophecy, says everyone has a chance to have a relationship with God, to call upon God. Not only does the pouring out of the Spirit mean we have hope of relationship, we have God who seeks relationship, but the calling on the name of the Lord means that we have an opportunity to choose God. Now, calling on the name of the Lord is more than lip service. It's more than just a good feeling in our heart. It's more than just asking Jesus into our life. It is a naming God as my God. In the ancient world, to call on the name of Yahweh, who demanded exclusivity, meaning God is a spouse who wants to be the only spouse, not uh, one of many spouses. To claim Yahweh, who wanted to be the only one and wanted to be loved and in a faithful relationship. To call on that name meant we were willing to follow. We were willing to stand with God. We were willing to be exclusively God's people. And Peter says, Everybody has that chance. Not only does God seek relationship through the pouring out of the Spirit, but God wants people to call upon the name of Yahweh. And Jesus offered that. Jesus offered a relationship, and Jesus gave permission for that. In fact, the disciple or the apostle John in John chapter 1 says that, you know, to those who received him, he gave the right to be uh, children of God. Imagine that. To be a child of God if you receive God or, or you are willing to follow Jesus or you are willing to be faithful to Jesus. Then finally, in this text, when, when uh, Peter explains that Jesus was the one who brought access, Jesus came to them and they crucified him. They killed him. In verse 36, he says, let all Israel be assured that this, that God made this Jesus whom you crucified Lord and Christ. They were cut to the heart. Their response was, we killed God. Jesus gave us access. Jesus gave permission and the, the potential to name God or to call upon the name of the Lord, and we killed him. All he wanted to do was get close to us and teach us about God, and we killed him. And so they were cut to the heart, as it says. They were grieved in their heart. And what do we need to do? And Peter very simply says, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That is one of the points that we continually make uh, when we talk with people is that not only do you have access, you have the opportunity, you have permission to be baptized in water, to have your sins forgiven, and to receive the Spirit. Uh, the Bible doesn't teach that we pray a prayer. The Bible doesn't teach that we just accept Jesus into our life. The Bible teaches that we make a commitment to Christ. We call upon the name of the Lord. We are baptized in water to follow Jesus. And that all happens with faith and courage and strength. What a way to prepare for Pentecost, to find that we have a chance and a relationship with God. Thank you for listening to the God of Second Chances podcast. We're glad that you are here, and we are glad that you have taken the time to invite us in to your life. If you have any prayer requests or you have any comments, you can email us. The address would be podcasts 
plural, at agapecoc.com. That's podcasts at agapecoc.com. Go in peace, love God, serve others, and remember the God of second chances. Thank you.